You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you are listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review and actually write out why you like these episodes. And um, also, I've been putting in the description lately uh, links to my recommended reading list. So I created a, a book list or a wish list on Amazon and made it public. And I just went ahead and linked to that. And these are books that I you know, highly recommend one. Most of these are ones that I've read multiple times because repetition is the mother of skill, as um, a lot of you guys know. And uh, you really only get about 10% of what you actually read. So if if you really want to learn certain content, you need to read it like 10 to 15 times, right? And the author of one of those books is joining me today. In fact, he's probably one of the biggest names in the whole Manosphere space. Uh, He didn't start off that way, though. He started off as an entrepreneur that liked to show off badass cars. And after some pain in his life, he became uh, red-pilled and uh, unplugged from the Matrix. In fact, he, uh, he goes on to say in this, uh, this interview that he doesn't really like calling things red pill and blue pill and stuff because there's so many pills out there <laughs> these days, it's, it's becoming absurd. So he prefers to refer to it as unplugging people. I'm talking, of course, about Rich Cooper, and uh, I'm going to bring you that conversation with Rich right after these words. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I often get inundated in my DMs on TikTok and Instagram with guys asking me for online dating tips. How should I respond to this message? How should I set up my profile? How do I start a conversation? Look guys, I'm a podcast host, not a dating coach. That's why I've partnered with one of the best dating coaches in the industry. You may know him as Performance Potential on TikTok, but I know him as Evan. And Evan has come up with one of the best dating app coaching programs in the industry that he's calling the Dating Dynamic. If you click the link in the description and use my promo code COMEONMAN30 at checkout, you will get 30% off the cost of his program because you're one of my listeners. You often hear that 80% of women are only going for the top 20% of men on dating apps. Well, this course is guaranteed to show you how you can be in that top 20%. So quit complaining and do something about it. Click the link in the description to sign up for the Dating Dynamic program today and get 30% off when you use my promo code COMEONMAN30. Again, click the link in the description and get 30% off when you use my promo code COMEONMAN30. Be in the top 20%. This week, I'm joined by the host of Entrepreneurs in Cars and the author of what I often refer to as the best red pill book out there, The Unplugged Alpha. It's Rich Cooper. How are you today, sir? Doing good, bud. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, <laughs> this is, Rich, this is the Valentine's Day episode. So happy Valentine's Day. Do you, happy do Valentine's you, Day to everybody. Yeah. Do, do you celebrate it? Also known as Steak and Blowjob Day, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a radio show out in California that it was like the, the Tuesday after or something they would call it that. but. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it should be. Yeah, have some fun with it, you know. There's uh there's got to be something in it for men too, right? There absolutely should be. So, your book is is outstanding and I I frequently talk about it on social media and I've told you know, uh Rolo about it and he he wrote the forward, but I I always 
recommend to people that want to learn about the red pill that they should read your book first, because mm-hmm. to me, it's easily digestible and you give lots of actionable advice. And then once they read it and want to do a deep dive, then maybe they should read Rolo's Rational Mail series uh, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's your take on that? That's um, I mean, that seems to be the consensus. Um, I'm not sure what Rolo's take on it you know, when you talk to him, but Aaron Cleary said the same thing. Um, and that was my plan, right? I didn't want to complicate it. I didn't want to use complex language. I just wanted to get something out there that was a few hundred pages, uh, delivered strong value, distilled right down to the point with actionable advice and off to the races you go. More than more than just, you know, dealing with how to get the girls too, right? I mean, if you notice a book, there's chapters on why you should own a motorcycle and why you should get involved in things like combat sports. Um, the follow-up book to that's going to go even deeper onto similar concepts um, in a slightly different way. But yeah, I'm always going to try to keep it as simple as possible. You, so you're in the process of writing that next book? Oh yeah, dude. The second book's going to be awesome. I've got some really good content lined up for it. When When's that uh, expected to come out or do you not know? I'm very slow. I'm, I am, I am not a writer. I'm a video guy. I like doing video. Uh, but when I write, it's, you know, it takes me a little bit of time to get everything down and get it edited. So I'm going to, I'm going to say to be conservative about 12 months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Doing uh, videos and and editing audio and stuff is so much, so much easier than sitting down and actually writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's definitely for sure. So when did you get the idea to write the Unplugged Alpha? Because when I was doing my research, um, you gave a 21 convention speech back in 2018, mm-hmm. where you're you're already talking about some of these concepts. Yeah, yeah, that was that was probably around the time that I started putting the chapters together um, on the stuff that I wanted to cover. Because I think I started coming across uh, that that level of enlightenment around 2016 or 17. And, um, you know, I put a few years into creating some content videos and, and doing consults and building a community of men and, you know, dealing with my own stuff. You know, I talk about making, making your wounds your work. And um, that's really what the book is. It's a collection of uh, my wounds and the wounds of a lot of men that have learned from experience and put it together so that uh, hopefully other guys don't make the same mistakes that uh, I and the others did as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me, let me ask you just a personal question. Is it, mm. is it? difficult to speak in public like that? Uh, Cause I've always thought it might be cool to do like a Ted talk or something someday. Um, so there's two, so I'm going to answer that in two parts. Yes. Um, it can be a little daunting. Um, you just have to do it a few times and you get comfortable with it. The other thing too, is I think you have to be discerning with where you decide to give talks, especially if you're talking to men on subjects like this, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of bad actors out there. There's some bad conventions that are, that are put together. Sure. And, um, you know, in hindsight, you don't really know who, who and what they are until you dive into them. So I think doing a little bit of preliminary, uh, you know, uh, questioning of, you know, who the events run by and who's going to attend and what it's all about should be a good starting place, too. Got it. Yeah, I, I, I I'm not going to dive into it, but uh, I know there was a lot of problems with the, the 21 convention specifically. But, yeah, the reason why I ask is just in, in your 2018 speech. Uh, I think it seemed like it was one of your first speeches in the manosphere on this type of subject. And so you, you seemed a little nervous. You, you really, you came across like you knew your shit, obviously, mm-hmm. but seemed a little nervous. But then you did a speech, uh, like your other speeches following that were all just, it seemed like you had done a thousand speeches by then. So, yeah, I yeah. guess you need two to knock it out of the park thing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Just something I noticed. Um, so now Rolo wrote the forward in your book and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, like I've, I've had him on the podcast, but can you tell the story about how the two of you got connected? Um, so a friend of mine at a retreat, uh, named Tom, I was basically talking about some of the stuff that was going on in my life. We were having breakfast, um, you know, one morning and we we're just talking about women and, you know, the things that go on with relationships in our lives. And after, um, you know, I guess vomiting up my uh, wounds for about 20 minutes. He's like, dude, you got to read this book called The Rational Mail. I was like, okay. So, you know, I downloaded the audible version. I listened to it on the flight back basically because it was about a um, a five or six hour flight. And then there was a bunch of connections. So I got through most of it. And then um, I went through it again and it's pretty dense. It's like drinking from a fire hose. And it was one of those like things where it's like, okay, I 
like I have a YouTube channel and I was thinking I'd like to talk to this guy, whoever this Rolo Tomasi is. I mean, I thought it was his real name at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just sh- shot him an email and I'm like, Hey man, you know, I've been talking about your book. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I think that he was at a, a place then where he wasn't really giving interviews and he, and he decided to give me one anyway, but with the camera off. So it's mm-hmm. one of the first ones that's um, on YouTube. I think it's from 2017 or so, like in and around there. If you go back on my channel, you'll see it. It's a, it's a horrible Skype recording, but it ended up, you know, capturing the information fine enough. Um, and then um, as far as the forward goes, when, we were done the interview. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm doing a uh, speaking event, uh, you know, senior content. I think you'd be a good fit. I'd like to introduce you to the uh, guy doing it and, you know, we'll connect. And then kind of the rest from there was history. Cause I asked him of that event, um, you know, when I was thinking about putting up a, a book together, if he would do the forward and he's like, yeah, you know, let me see what you got sort of thing. And we'll cross that bridge then. Got it. Okay. So um, in your book, you said that between uh, 2011, 2015, those were really terrible years due to the divorce. You really go into depth on that uh, and dating a single mom. And I, I can't help but draw similarities between your story and mine. I, mm-hmm. Like I got divorced in 2014 and then I got, I jumped into an LTR with a single mom, which ended about four and a half years later. Uh, were you with that single mom for those four years? No, it was about three years. I think I was with her. About three years. Okay. Yeah. And and then you said that you that it ended uh with uh because she she abused, lied, and cheated on you. You talk a little bit more about the cheating part later in the book. Uh so mm-hmm. that part's pretty clear. But I mean, what kind of abuse did you deal with? Um it was most <laughs> it was mostly coming from, you know, those kids who you know, I talk about in the book how you end up, you know, if you date a single mom, you're going to get yourself in a scenario where you've got financial responsibility and parenting responsibility, but you have no authority. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a number of times where it's just like, you know, you try to put your foot down and enforce boundaries and uh, they just have a complete hissy fit and spaz out and mom doesn't support the boundaries. She just like basically comes at you like, you know, like you're an adult, why don't you behave differently? It's like, well, because your kids are brats and this behavior, I'm not going to tolerate. I'm going to have people walk all over me sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, so that's what I was talking about when I was talking about abuse. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's just one of those things that come with the territory. Sure. W- were you guys living together? No, fuck no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this, this gal that I dated for those four and a half years before I, I discovered any of this stuff, uh, I didn't live with her per se, but I mean, I sort of did because um, I had my own house and she lived an hour away. And so on the weeks that I didn't have my kids, I'd basically go and live at her house for the week. Yeah. That, and that's what you end up doing. It's, you know, you kind of go back and forth and then it got to the point where she started, to, you know, using this um, phrase. Um, what the hell did she say? She called it blended families or, or something like that. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And then she you know, described this friend of hers, this girlfriend of hers, and then showed me this picture of this like dorky cuck that, you know, she ended up blending with sort of thing. And I'm like thinking in my head, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to work, you know, based on the way your kids behave, you know, when I try to enforce boundaries, like I just, I just never really got anywhere close to that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's like, you know, they have this like illusion in their head that it's a good idea to blend families and, you know, combine those two lives. And there's a lot of risks that come with that. I mean, especially if, like I've got a daughter and she's got a couple of boys, the biggest risk to young girls. I mean, you might've noted that, you know, notice this in the dating pool after you get red pill, but there's a lot of women that have trauma, um, you know, that, that grew up in these types of blended families. And it usually comes from a stepfather or a step sibling that sexually abused them, you know, when they were uh, young. Right. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's yeah, a lot you, of things you, that you talk about consider. that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you, uh, you mentioned in your book that at the time you're writing, you're in uh, an LTR. And then in some other videos I saw on YouTube, I watched, I think I heard you say you were still in LTR. Is that, is that the same, same yep. woman? Yep. Okay. How's that going? Well, I'll tell you what, man, when you unplug from the comforting lies from society and you take a little bit of a dive down the rabbit hole and take that red pill, it, it, it it's significantly better than it ever has been in my life. Right. I mean, I never really had a problem, you know, getting, women to be interested in me. It was just dealing with like the longer term stuff, you know, with like the shit testing and the frame and, you know, 
letting them get away with certain things that you shouldn't let women get away with. So yeah, it's considerably better now, obviously. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you next was how has the red pill helped in that relationship? So I, I assume stuff like setting clear boundaries and yeah, yeah. taking the lead and, and stuff. Taking like that. the lead. And yeah, you know, like being, being what men are supposed to be, you know, like a freaking giant, like somebody that she can look up to, uh, you know, like having those competency skills and being able to set and force boundaries. Like women actually like it, you know, women, you know, there's a lot of complaints from those like toxic feminist type with the short purple hair and they're, you know, a little bit overweight with 17 cats. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, you, you know, you've got patriarchal issues or you're mad or blah, blah, blah sort of thing. But no, like women actually like to, to live within the boundaries of a strong, virtuous male. Yeah. And I found too that, I mean, there are women that, um, I mean, if you, uh, you read like uh, David Data's book, right. He talks about like masculine, feminine energy. Which one's David? That's uh, the way of the superior man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big that? fan of that book. It's a little too woo-woo for me. I don't think it covers it, like what's what's the most useful stuff that guys can you know benefit from. Sure, I I know I take I take books like that, you know, like uh, I, I take what's useful out of books like that, you know, and sort mm-hmm. of leave what isn't. So like the whole spirituality stuff in that book is like okay, but uh, but I mean like there are women that the modern women, I guess a lot of guys say you know that sort of really identify their masculine mm-hmm. and. It, those those women like do want a guy that really can put them in their place, but sometimes it's just like it's not worth your time with those women because there's women that are, you know, way more in their feminine that are, are way easier that really are looking for a guy to lead them. Whereas these women are like, prove it, prove yourself to me, you know. Yeah, so that's that's one of the main reasons why I put that chapter in the book that covers the 20 red flags. And, Mm -hmm. you know, by the way, you don't need to get the book to read it. You can get it um, free off my uh, email list. I can, I can send you the link afterwards, but it's entrepreneursandcars.com forward slash red dash flags. And you can download that, but those red flags will give you a strong indicator of who's who, who you're potentially going to bring into your life or invite into your life and how they're going to potentially complicate it in such a way that it's that it's going to be a lot more draining than dealing with a woman that doesn't have the red flags. Like I basically say at the opening of that chapter, it's like, look, you know, you can ignore all this advice and you can invite a woman that's got red flags, several of these, red, or all of them, right? You can, you can marry them. You can have kids with them. You know, you can live with them. You can do it, whatever the hell you want at the end of the day, but just understand that you're going to unnecessarily add complexity and complicate your life in such a way that you're not going to be able to perform at an optimal level, right? So um, when you get clear on on what to avoid, it's a lot easier to seek, you know, the positive traits, right? Because a lot of the time it's like, you know, the polar opposite, like a woman with daddy issues, you know, has red flags, but a woman that's got a good relationship with a father is more of a green flag sort of thing, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Although there are, uh, there's some guys online that say that uh, red flags are a green light. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you like crazy, yeah, like if you want a friends with benefits or you like crazy, yeah. then sure, right? But I mean, generally speaking, most guys seek something longer term with women, so that's how I generally talk when I answer those questions. No, that yeah, no, that, I definitely agree. What, what do you say? It's uh, play them, don't date them. Play them, don't date them. Yeah, single moms, play them, don't date them. <laughs> so uh, you have a chapter on why genuine desire matters, yeah. and uh, do you think genuine desire will? fade over time? Or do you think as long as a man can maintain frame and leadership that he can keep it indefinitely? I don't think you're, I mean, if you've got enthusiastic, genuine burning desire out of her early on in the relationship, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's reasonable to say that you're always going to have that, that, that strong level of desire, you know, five, 10, 15 down five, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, um, regardless of what kind of game you've got, right? Like it's important to game your LTR, or your wife, you know, to, always maintain boundaries and have some frame sort of thing. And that will minimize any kind of risk of like, you know, if you get married, divorce, rape, losing your kids, um, you know, uh, forming an unhealthy attachment at one woman, which is like, you know, the whole one itis sort of thing. Um, so I think that it, that, that it does wane over time. I mean, one of the things that I came across and I didn't mention it in the book, I think it was Esther Perel in one of her books. I can't recall which one, but she was talking about how, um, over a longer term basis, like women's interest in, in men kind of like falls down kind of like a hockey stick sort of, you know, like on a, a chart, whereas with men, it's more gradual over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So all you're really doing is rather than ending up with a hockey stick, you know, type of curve, when you understand these concepts, you're just bringing that curve up to match yours more. Got it. Okay. That that does make sense. Because I mean, there's other books out there. Uh, and I would imagine you're not, I, I think I've actually heard 
seen clips where you're not a fan of stuff like um, the love languages, right? Because that goes into like transactional relationship type yeah, stuff. I've, yeah, I've covered that myself, and I and I did another uh, cast with uh, Paul Benjamin talking about it, and it, and um, I think there's even evidence, if I'm not mistaken, Paul had Paul had pulled it up that uh, suggests that it actually has no bearing or you know benefit to a healthy long term relationship with a chick. It's a bit of um, it's a bit of chick crack, you know. It's more for women than it is for guys. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cause I I've always looked at it like, you know, if you're, if you're at least doing that stuff from the beginning, that makes a lot of sense. But if you are doing it 10 years down the road to try to salvage something that's not there anymore, then you're just wasting your time. Yeah. That's when you're getting into shore play and you're trying to negotiate, you know, desire with a woman. That's what most guys do. I mean, like I sit as a fly on a wall in a few different Facebook groups just to kind of watch these plugged in betas, you know, talk about how if they did the dishes more like some guy will you know make a post and be like i don't understand my wife's not having sex anymore it's been you know like we get intimate every like 45 to 60 days and you know what should i do and it's like all these nerds pile in and like one guy will be like well what's her love language or maybe if you did the dishes more and you know took care of the kids and it's like (laughs) guys are hopeless man i got nothing for you i'm just gonna sit here and watch this unfold yeah. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. You talk about that too, in the book, the betatization through 1000 concessions. Yeah. And once you've I, already gone through that process and you don't have intimacy and you know, you're going like weeks or months even yeah. without, you know, your life, your wife expressing a genuine interest and in wanting to be intimate with you. It's an uphill battle. Like I've seen, I've seen guys like, uh, Ryan Stone's pretty good with this stuff and he likes to cover it. But, um, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if you've gone too far with it, it's like, you know, Stop, stop trying to bail the boat out and just like let it sink and get off it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at, at some point that the genuine desire is gone it's and, gone, yeah. and now you're trying to, it's, it's, it's uh, you're trying, you're trying to negotiate that desire yeah. and that just doesn't, doesn't work out in the long term. Um, you already mentioned your, your red flags and I'll post a link to that in the uh, description, but in your red flags chapter, you talk about women with, with high notch counts and I find that a lot of men get really hung up on the, the, the notch count or body count number. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I feel like if a guy specifically asks a woman for her body count, he, he's coming across as insecure and she'll never be honest with him anyway. So, right, yeah. so with that sort of concept, I mean, how are guys supposed to know her notch count or at least have a, a guess? Um, you can, I mean, like you can take a stab at it by just looking at the behaviors around it. like. You don't need to see the sun to know that the sun's up on a cloudy day. If you can look around and see everything, you know, within sight, you know that it's behind the cloud sort of thing, right? So it's the same sort of thing with figuring out a woman's notch count. You just have to watch her behavior, you know, take a look at her lifestyle, see what she's been doing, you know, with her life. You meet a woman at 21, 22, 23, <clears throat> chances are she's got a lower notch count than a woman that's 40, right? Mm-hmm. And was married for five years, been divorced, roared the carousel, partied it up. Like I had a, a um, guy call in last night on one of my shows and um, he was dating this 36 year old nurse practitioner for about three or four months. Right. <clears throat> and um, he ended up with a bad case of one night for, you know, didn't know how to kind of get her out of her mind. And it's like, dude, she, like this chick's got more red flags than a Chinese communist parade. Like she's, she's partying with her girlfriends constantly. She drinks gallons of booze. She's going to places like Napa Valley and Vegas with her girlfriends what do you think she's going to be up to? And what do you think she's been up to, you know, with her time prior to that? Right. Mm-hmm. She's, she's not a, you know, quote unquote, like good girl. That's, that's probably got a very low notch count. I mean, she's probably been at it for a while and has racked up quite, you know, quite the number. It could be high double digits, could be triple digits, you know, sort of thing. Sure. So, I mean, like there's a number of leading indicators. I mean, like a lot of guys would be like, well, why don't you just ask her? Okay. Well, sure. Ask her. Right. Um, she'll probably throw a number at you, but here's what she's going to exclude. She's going to exclude friends with benefits, um, same night lays, uh, what happened at the phone cam cannon party in Cancun or Ibiza or her European trip. She's going to exclude, uh, lesbian encounters, threesomes. She's going to exclude most of the stuff except for guys and obvious, you know, epochs, you know, within her lifestyle that she can remember. So if she throws a number yet at you like 10, you can easily, you know, comfortably double that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's sort of how I've always looked at that. Like just look at the red flags, really just pay attention to her actions, not necessarily some, some number, some arbitrary number, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Now, okay, I, I really wanted to talk to you about this one because uh, this one comes up a lot. On I see clips about this stuff, uh, in, like all over. You know, the 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 quote manosphere, right? Mm-hmm. So you have an entire chapter. I mean, this is also in one of your red flags, but you also have an entire chapter on why men shouldn't date single moms. And I wanted to run my take on single moms by you. So, uh, so hear me out and then go ahead and, and, and mop the floor with me here. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I feel like if you're a kid, you know, late teens in your twenties, you have zero business dating a single mom. If you have no kids, regardless of how old you are, uh, you have zero business dating a single mom. But if you're a single dad like me, like in my 40s, mm-hmm. I almost prefer single moms because you know I'm a single dad myself. I don't want to have kids anymore. And a lot of women that haven't had kids yet, I found to have baby rabies, which is also in your red flags. Um, the single moms, they understand dealing with parenting schedules. Now, I only see it working if your parenting schedules line up, um, because if she has her kids full time, forget it. She mm-hmm. she doesn't have time for you. Um, you and her need to agree that you won't parent each other's kids. Um, you know, if she wants a father for her kids, she's out. If she starts l- looking to mother your kids, that's not going to work. Um, and then also, you, you don't live with her or marry her. Otherwise, I I, I feel like it can work. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not dealing with parenting the kids or living with her or marrying her, then she's basically a friends with benefits. I mean, you're kind of dating slash FWB. Now, in that chapter in the book, I outline one scenario where, you know, people have challenged me and said, well, one, would it be appropriate? And my answer to that is, okay, well, she ticks off all the boxes. She's in my frame. She's compliant. She's obedient. Like she does everything, right? She's got all the green flags. She's gotten under the red flags and she's got one kid. That's the same age, same gender as my kid. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that I would consider it. Okay? okay. And even then, I mean, if I had the option of a woman that didn't have a kid, I'd obviously pick her over that one. Right. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, it's a bad idea, but I mean, a lot of guys will be like, you know, kind of like the way that you've described it. And I mean, how old are you, Paul? I'm 40. I'm going to be 43 this year. Okay. So I'm a little bit older than you, right? So I'm, so I'm 48. Uh-huh. Um, I, my, my LTR doesn't have any kids. She's my junior and she's okay with not having kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's good with mine. Right. So I'm, I mean, like women out there exist that don't bring baggage from prior relationships. And, you know, like some guys will be like, well, what if she was widowed? Right. Like what if her husband was in the military and, you know, he was killed in action and, and she's widowed. Like what's wrong with that, Rich? It's like same problem still applies, right? Like you're, yeah. you're going to end up in a scenario where you're going to have parental responsibility to somebody else's kids, generally speaking, without much authority. Now, a widow might yield a little bit more, right? Like you might get a little bit more authority, but at the end of the day, like, why would you want to raise somebody else's kids? Like that's usually the scenario that they end up in. So what you're talking about is, is not quite a relationship, like as women sort of define it, because what they like to do, it's like, Oh, I met this guy, Paul, and he's a nice guy and he's got two kids and I got two kids and they're about the same age. And you know, maybe we can hang out from time to time, but I'm not going to parent his kids. And, you know, um, he's not going to have any part of that. But then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you know, let's do summer vacation. And mm-hmm. then you go and rent a lake house. And then you spend like a week or two there. And it's like, all of a sudden you realize that you're behaving like you're, you're in a long-term relationship, like a family co-parenting. And then you start kind of like blending things a little bit closer. So as long as you keep those things distant, yeah, right. And you don't blend time, you know, with the kids, then I don't know, have fun. I mean, but like I like to say, guys love complicating their lives and justifying why they do it. And sure. that's just one of the mechanisms that they use. I mean, why not just find a woman that doesn't have kids? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I sort of almost found like, and maybe this is like a self-limiting belief or something too, but I look at women, because I, I, I personally, um, you know, I, I went uh, back and forth with uh, Jack Napier on this on Twitter, mm-hmm. but like, I personally don't like dating women in their twenties just because of that generational gap. I just don't find a good connection with those. So I like women in their thirties and I kind of feel like a woman in her thirties that hasn't had kids yet. Uh, not, and, and this excludes women that are like, I just never want to have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. But women that are in, like having that baby rabies thing in their thirties, it's like, well, what was wrong with you that you couldn't lock a man down before that? <laughs> so, yeah, that could be part of that too, right? You know, some yeah. bad choices. Maybe they got knocked up and had an abortion or miscarriage. Just any number yeah. of things that could happen. But I mean, like, 
Um, yeah, younger women are like, see, so one of the areas that a lot of guys make, make the mistake in, especially when they're dating a younger woman is they have this expectations that they can have a long-term relationship with them and a tight connection and deep conversation and dialogue like they would have with their last LTR single mom, you know, with the two kids that didn't work out. Cause when you guys were good, you were good. Like that's how a lot of guys sort of justify it. But when you realize that women don't generally bring a lot to the table to begin with, especially the younger ones. I mean, they bring a beauty to the table because women are beauty objects, men are success objects. You know, it's something else I covered in the book too, mm -hmm. but like a 23 year old woman can still be fun to hang around with. Right. Sure. I just wouldn't expect her to, you know, add much value to your life or to contribute much in a way that, you know, you'd feel that level of fulfillment for something like that. Hang out with your boys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So you made a really good video a while back, um, and I can't remember when you made it, but uh, you were telling men to appreciate women for what they are, uh, not for what they're not. And you were driving a truck and you gave all the cool features about the truck. You know, you said that's pretty much why you like the truck and, and, and why you, you know, it's, but it's not a sports car, right? Like you mm -hmm. can't say, well, I don't like this truck because it doesn't have the same features as a sports car. Um do you think too many guys get get really hung up on this on the idea of like hypergamy or that that women don't love idealistically and sort of get a mental fog about it? Yeah, that's when you start dealing with the guys that are all doom and gloom. Uh, you know, they start saying things like, "Well, if Brad Pitt couldn't do it, what makes you think anybody else can handle it?" Sort of thing, and it's like, okay, well, I'm not here to sway their opinions or change their mind. I don't care at the end of the day. I mean, if you don't want to deal with women, don't deal with women, you know, sit in your corner and sulk, you know, if you want, it's entirely up to you. Um, women can add value to your life and they can be useful, you know, in a man's life aside from just their beauty, you know, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of what, what video that is right now. Cause I'm trying to think of a truck and I haven't been driving very many trucks over the last few years that I was driving. Do you know what I was driving in that one? It was a, I think it was a Ford, uh, some kind of Ford truck. And you were talking oh, about- Oh, that like was the, the Edge Sport at the time, I think. Yeah, that's an older one. So yeah, it's it's really just surrendering to what women are, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, a lot of guys think that women should love men unconditionally, right? Like that's the big lie that a lot of married guys buy that get divorced, yeah. you know, in sickness and health and richer and poorer and blah, 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 blah. And they think, you know, just because you take vows and you have a ceremony and you exchange rings that- it's always going to be un unconditional. She's always going to have genuine burning desire for you. But at the end of the day, women love conditionally. And, and when you can accept, you know, concepts like Rafault's law and understand that women are only interested in you so long as you provide value in their lives and they can look up to you and they see you as a giant, then you start to understand these concepts a little bit better. But a lot of guys really struggle with that. It's like, you know, well, I did what I was always told. I was a nice guy and I, you know, I, I, I provided or I put a roof over her head, but she still was banging Kevin from sales at her office sort of thing. And they can't get their head around why, right? Like they just can't see it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, you know, if you can't see it, you can't see it. You know, I can only shine lights on the facts. If you don't want to see them, that's cool too. Yeah. Um, now I, I hear a lot of, you know, people under the banner of red pill uh, say that women can't love like at all. Right. They say mm -hmm. stuff like love flows down from the man to the woman, the child and respect flows up. Uh, so kind of a two part question. One, do you agree with that? And two, do you think women are capable of love? Absolutely. Okay. It's just, just a simple answer. It's like, absolutely. Like if she admires you and sees you as her hypergamous best option, then of course she's going to love you. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you, but that love is conditional. Like I need to be clear with that. Right. 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 Yeah. But I mean, do you, uh, so you don't agree with the whole idea that like, they don't love you. It's, res it's respect, like respect flows upwards. Um, like respect is a big part of it, obviously. I mean, she's got to respect you. I mean, she's not going to want to be in any kind of relationship with you, you know, however you want to define it if she doesn't respect you. Right. But love and respect are two different things, right? Like a woman can love a guy yeah. and not respect him. Right. But generally speaking, she can absolutely respect a guy, but not love him. Right. I mean, like women, women will bang chads that they respect, but they aren't like, you know, intimately in love with. They're just, you know, they've got like, you know, the tingles that they're trying to satisfy, you know, the alpha seed part of it. Sure. Yeah. And I would say that women that love guys, but don't respect them. That's usually a, 
a friend zone type situation. <laughs> they're, they're not yeah. usually banging those guys. Yeah, generally, yeah. So one of the 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 coolest parts of your book, in my opinion, you you mentioned it already. Uh, oh, actually, no, sorry. One of the coolest parts of your book is on the endocrine system. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't mentioned this part already. You mentioned the the motorcycle thing, which I wanted to get to. Uh, but essentially making sure that your testosterone levels are optimal, not, not just normal, but optimal. Mm. Um, and, and you talk about in your book, you, you use some kind of testosterone replacement therapy, mm. right? Yeah. How does that work for you? I mean, do you, do you typically recommend that or? Yeah. So if, if you've been tracking your endocrine system for years, which is what, what I recommend guys start doing by about the age of 30, mm-hmm. like just get blood labs pulled once a year. Mm-hmm. testosterone, estrogen, DHEA, DHT, like, you know, your uh, cholesterol panels, like your hemoglobin, your hematocrit, all that stuff. And then you've got a baseline. So you track it once a year for several years. And when you start to notice that you've got symptoms of low T and your testosterone levels have started to drop, then that's when you could, you know, consider if you wanted to, if you can't raise it naturally, introducing thera- therapeutic um, exogenous testosterone therapy, right? You get a doctor, you know, to script it to you, you're under their care. They check your labs on a regular basis. It's not, it's not easy peasy lemon squeezy, like just get the script and, you know, do your pin twice a week and everything works out tickety boo. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to respond differently, you know, to exogenous testosterone in their body okay. versus what their natural you know, production looks like. But once you get it dialed in, it's a very good thing. Got it. One thing you mentioned though, in the book though, is once you get on this, I mean, you basically can't get off of it though, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you could get off it, but why would you want to, like, why would you want to return to suboptimal levels? Right. right. Cause right. I mean, like the whole point of the therapy is to bring yourself up to optimal levels that you experience in your twenties, like maybe 30, you know, the latest like levels around that. Mm-hmm. So why would you say, okay, I mean, unless you've got complications, it, it's not working out, your blood gets too thick. You can't, uh, do things like donations. Like there's any number of things that may not work out for you, but generally speaking, it's very safe and effective when done under doctor supervision. Yeah. But I mean, like you could come off it, you could do a cycle of HCG, you could do, you know, you could add some clomid to it and you could restart, you know, your testicles and start producing your own testosterone again, but you're never going to exceed the levels that you had prior, which were already suboptimal anyway. So again, it brings you back to like, why would you want to come off it? Oh, okay. You know, Cause yeah, I, the reason why I said that, uh, you can't is because your body stops producing it, but there's a way to sort of get it to, to work, yeah, well, work again, it, but it's still it's suboptimal. Yeah. If you go on testosterone therapy, but you're doing HCG injections, which is human chorionic gonotropin, mm-hmm. then that, then that'll stimulate your testicles to continue producing testosterone. So it's like, you know, like maybe you get like this much, you know, from your body's own production. And then you kind of put like that much more, you know, with, injections of testosterone, cypionate or ethionate or something like that, which will get you to the optimal levels. Okay. That's the way that I prefer to do it. Like I'd rather have my body's own production plus a little bit more to get me to optimal levels. Some guys just completely uh, disregard the HCG and they'll just go straight testosterone and and let their balls shut down and just take the exogenous application of it. Right. Um, So there's different ways to handle it, but I mean, one of the arguments for, for continuing to, let your body produce natural levels of testosterone. For some guys, it's like fertility, right? So they want to have a good sperm count because they want to have kids. So that's one reason. Another reason um, that a lot of uh, clinics and doctors will argue is that you've got a lot of LH receptors throughout your body and you can only um, basically uh, produce the kind of uh, testosterone and hormone panel that you want with natural production because there's this whole cascade of things that happen it's a very complex system in your body, but there's this whole cascade. And if you just kind of like skip all that stuff and go right to the testosterone, then you're missing things like pregnenolone, progesterone, DHEA, your estradiol, like all those things. So in my opinion, I'd rather be, you know, more on the natural side with a little bit of a top up, which is how I operate it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And you talk about, you talk about ways that men can possibly uh, boost their testosterone naturally. I think you have your own supplement line, right? Yeah, I do. It's just over my shoulder. So it's available on beunpluggedalpha.com. And there is, uh, there's one testosterone booster in the uh, lineup and there's two estrogen metabolizers in the lineup. So if you've got a body shape like a pear, or if you have like female breast tissue, like you've got like man boobs, you know, sort of thing, Uh the estrogen metabolizers will help lower your estrogen level. And if you've got low T, then the testosterone boosters will, it's got things like Tongat Ali and Ashwagandha and there are a few other um, herbs in there, which are proven to um, help support testosterone production. Um, 
you shouldn't, you know, try to buy supplements like that with the expectations that, you know, you're going to have testosterone production that you had when you were 20, mm -hmm. probably very, very unlikely. But what I'm talking about is supporting your existing production. So, yeah. uh, you know, testosterone therapy is not for everybody, but you've probably noticed yourself, you know, I noticed your posts on social media, but there's a lot of like weak men out there. Uh -huh. And I mean, I can tell just by listening to their voice, like I can tell when I'm dealing with a guy with low T or somebody that's estrogen dominant, even over a phone call, I can tell. Right. So it's, it's, it's just something to consider if you're a guy. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Uh, and I'm really interested in too. What, what do you think about DHEA as a supplement? Um, it doesn't do much on its own. Right. You know, to be honest with you, like, like it's one of the hormones in your, in your blood work that they uh, track, uh -huh. but you're not going to improve your testosterone levels by just adding a DHA supplement. It, it just doesn't do that. Okay. All right. Um, and my, my friend Luke uh, wanted me to ask you what men should watch out for in common, common toiletries besides parabens, you know, and stuff like soaps, lotions, clothes. Oh yeah. Um, that's a longer conversation. I got a video on my channel. Uh, I did an interview with Dr. Anthony J. So if you search entrepreneurs in cars and then plus Dr. Anthony J in there, it'll, it'll come up. It's about 90 minutes. Okay. Um, he's an author. He wrote a book called Estrogeneration. I definitely recommend reading it if you're a guy and it basically pin, pinpoints all the source of environmental estrogen. So aside from toiletries, like um, one of the sponsors that I have on my channel is called Tactical Soap, the Grondike Soap Company. And um, because they use natural ingredients that don't have endocrine disruptors in it, it's good for your endocrine system, right? But most soaps, like if you buy the big, like, box of 78, you know, bars of soap from Costco, you know, the generic stuff, it's going to be way cheaper than that. But when you look at the ingredients, you're going to see things that um, end with language like benzones, oxybenzones, you know, stuff like that. All of these unnatural ingredients mimic estrogen in the male body. So mm -hmm. things like soy, things like um, in plastic packaging, uh, tap water has estrogen in it because women go to the bathroom, you know, when they're on the birth control pill, they go to the bathroom, the hormone goes flushed down the toilet and the water system they clean out the poo, the toilet paper, all the like physical particles, but they can't filter out hormones from the water supply. So that now ends up back in your faucets and tap. And, you know, you boil your pasta with it, you make your coffee and tea with it, and you drink it. Most guys are actually drinking extra levels of um, estrogen. So what most guys end up finding out when they start doing their blood labs is that they're generally estrogen dominant. Got it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really need to go get my blood done. <laughs> Especially the more I read about this stuff, I'm just like, oh, it's a game changer. Yeah. So you have a chapter on getting the girls online, yeah. uh, and that that chapter was outstanding. So I, I was incorporating some of your recommendations actually in my dating profile, and I had a lot of success with that. Um, were those things that you picked up yourself, or did you get that from some other dating coach guys that you know? No, I kind of picked it all up myself. I mean. Um... You know, obviously I've consumed a lot of content and read a lot of books over the years. You know, for me, I get a lot of my um, inspiration. <clears throat> like Rolo's two books, like first two books are definitely the ones to read out of the entire series. I mean, you kind of get into the third and fourth and he goes deep down rabbit holes and stuff that probably won't matter to a lot of guys who don't really move the bar. But then evolutionary psychology books, like uh, books like, um, you know, The Evolution of Desire, Why Women Have Sex. Um, I can't remember the authors because I'm going to blend them up now, but David Buss is, I think, the main one. Mm -hmm. But once you get, you know, get your head around what women respond to, then you have to understand that that's what you have to signal on a dating app because it's a very noisy place, right? Like one of the biggest mistakes guys make is they just use the worst photography. Yes. And it pays dividends to have far superior photography that showcases an interesting life, right? I mean, one thing that women can't stand with guys is boring dudes, right? And if they look like they got nothing going on in the world with, with terrible photographs that are like mirror selfies or they're posing beside some Lamborghini parked, you know, downtown in Yorkville, something like that, it's obvious that it's not their sort of thing. Like women aren't stupid. They can pick up on that, right? Like they spend a lot of time looking at, you know, photographs. In fact, that's how they make most of their mate selection uh, processes, you know, with dating apps is it's probably 90%, you know, the first photograph. Yeah. So I noticed that in that chapter, you didn't tell guys to take pictures with fish. What, why is that? I thought that was the number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They take pictures with fish. They take pictures with small kids. They take pictures like terrible pictures and terrible lighting. They take pictures, yeah. you know, like gym selfies. 
um, you know, and God bless them, you know, good for them because that just makes it easier for guys that know what, you know, know what to do that women respond to the stuff that I talked about in that chapter. Yeah. I think the number one thing, whenever I, uh, if I ever do videos on what to put in your, your dating profile pictures, and I always cite your book usually. Um, but I always tell guys like guys, the women don't want the the fish picks and guys are always trying to justify it. Like, no, like, look, we're, we're supposed to be providers. Like, this is how we provide. Like, you're not fucking fishing every day, dude. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Like that, that's your diet. You're a, you're a fisherman. Nah, bullshit. <laughs> Puppy dogs are a far better accessory than a dead fish in your hand. Yes. Yeah. You do have the, what do you call it? The awe picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So now the best chapter in your book, in my opinion, is how men should have a motorcycle. Uh, and the I funny thing like is, bikes. Well, I I didn't. I was never a motorcycle guy until I dated a gal that was into motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And I she actually taught me how to ride. And I ended up buying a bike. Uh, this was in this was in 2020. I bought a bike. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a, a 2015 Honda Shadow Phantom. And when I was re- I, I already had the bike by the time I read your book, though, and I was like, yes, I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but why why do you recommend that guys ride bikes? Man, bikes are awesome. They're, um, you know, I compare it to um, a steed, you know, a stallion, you know, back in the day, a few hundred years ago, I think a man that acquired something uh, powerful to tame, you know, like a large male horse, it's it's probably very similar to the way a motorcycle, you know, would feel today. Um, I've ridden a lot of bikes. I know how women respond to motorcycles. It forces intimacy, you know, by the nature of the way that you ride them. They're a lot of fun. They're cheap on gas. They perform like way better than exotic cars, you know, dollar for dollar. Um, and um, I mean, they do have the downside where you, like you have to keep your head on a swivel. You have to keep your wits about you when you're riding and just assume that everything on the road is going to try to hit you and kill you. Um, but, you know, once you get your head around that, kind of like how you accept female nature, how women only love you so long as you're useful to them sort of thing, mm-hmm. then you can have a lot of fun with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You you also mentioned that you were on a motorcycle hiatus. Are, are you yeah. still on a hiatus? I am. Yeah. I've been, I've been like drooling over bikes over the last couple of years mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I haven't decided um, what I'm going to get or if I'm going to get something, but um, you know, I've talked to some friends about doing some road trips and um, you know, maybe like, you know, when I travel, it might be ideal to rent a cruiser bike and, you know, kind of like see, see those areas on a motorcycle. Um, but for now, like I just drive exotic cars, right? Which kind of ticks off the same box, but in a different way. The other problem too, is I got to get my eyes um, lasered. I got to get my vision corrected so I can ride with helmets and sunglasses on, you know, sort of thing again, which I haven't been able to do since I was 30. Oh, got it. You don't wear like contacts? <clears throat> I can't stick my fingers in my eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's either that or I got to get like, uh, you know, prescription sunglasses or something like that, that I can fit into a helmet. But um yeah. And like the riding season here is a lot shorter than what it is in most places in the world too. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, you basically get like May to September, October, the latest. Yeah. I, I live in Colorado and it's, it's way too cold to ride the bike. I see guys that ride all year round and mm-hmm. I'm just like, how can you do that, man? Cause it is, it's so uncomfortable Champions. to like once it's, once it's below 40, I, I don't care how many like layers I got on. Uh, I I'm still too cold. Like my, my fingers get too cold. It's like, I can't control the bike. It's, it's just dangerous at that point. I know some, someone got me some heated gloves once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard that if you can have heated, uh, you know, heated grips, yeah. Some heated, of the cruiser bikes have heated grips and heated seats and stuff like that. Yeah. That might be better. Maybe that's what I need, <laughs> but I, I still, I, I'm just like, it's more of a summer thing. I'd much rather just ride it when it's nice yeah. out. Yeah. So, um, now I get a lot of, and you mentioned these guys a little bit already, uh, but I get a lot of hate from black pill and MGTOW guys uh, because mm-hmm. I call, I put out videos calling them quitters, mm-hmm. you know, and like nobody likes a quitter. Right. And you talk about them a little bit in your book too. Do you ever engage with these guys or do you just like, do you get their comments a lot? <clears throat> um, they're always out there. So when you encourage guys to take ownership for life, and, you know, put the work into themselves to go and do something. It's weird, dude. It's like, you know, a lot of these guys just want to commiserate with other guys and be miserable and recruit more guys to be miserable with. Mm-hmm. And 
that's fine. I mean, like if that's your uh, MO to kind of sit around and sulk about life, then do it. Right. But you go over there, right? It's like, I'm not interested in your conversations. I'm not going to go over there and hang out with you and convince you of something that is not aligned with your um, core values, you know, sort of thing. Um, the guys that I talk to, I mean, like when I'm coaching guys one-on-one, like I exclusively deal with high net worth individuals. One of the complaints that these dorks make all the time about me is like, oh, Rich Cooper takes advantage of guys and charges them a lot of money to like coach them. It's like, dude, you have no idea the guys that I'm talking to. Like I'm dealing with seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, business owners, lawyers, doctors, physicians, surgeons, brain surgeons. I've dealt with really interesting people. And the reason why I get to talk to those guys is because the experience that I have in my life and my business and where I've been, right? A guy with a little bit of salt and pepper in his beard that looks like me knows a few things. And a guy like you, you know, pointing to these guys, they're not interested in doing the work anyway, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's my price point. If you can't afford it, cool, you know, go and go and cry somewhere else, right? Like I'm not the guy for you. You don't want to do the work anyway. So what's the point of even talking to you? (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, I have a lot of friends that are like, you know, coaches, dating coaches, business coaches and stuff like that. And that's the way uh, I sort of look at it, you know, is you're, you're definitely, if you're charging that kind of price point, you're, you're only going to attract guys that actually want to invest in themselves and you're not wasting your time that way. Cause that's one thing that I, I could not stand is someone that hired me as a coach and I have zero interest in being a coach of any kind, mm-hmm. uh, but someone that hired me as a coach. And then when I tell them, Hey, this is what you need to do. And then they just give me excuses. I, I would be so sick of that. Well, that's, <laughs> Well, that's why you have to put your time behind the paywall, right? Right. And then you tell people, all right, you know, like, I'm happy to talk to you, but here's my rate. And it's only guys that want to put skin in the game to do the work to get that honest feedback that are that are willing to apply that to their lives. And they're the ones that get the results. I mean, you can look at the um, written reviews on my uh, cl- uh, coaching platform, and it's a solid five stars. Everybody loves what I, uh, you know, do in their lives. And I'm very efficient. Like, I can, I'm Honestly, most of the calls that I that I do are somewhere between fifteen and twenty minutes. Like they're like they're pretty rapid. You know, I get to the point real real quick with people and move the bar for them. But you know, there's always going to be a demographic of guys that are that are just you know more interested in 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 sitting around and complaining. And that's fine, <laughs> cool. You know, go do that. Hang out in your corner. Like I'm busy over here. You know, doing my thing. So, you know, the thing that I say about hate. You know. To, a lot of the time to guys that, that is difficult for people to comprehend. Because one of the things you ask is like, you know, how do you deal with that? How do you engage them? And it's like, you don't, right? Okay. When you understand that hate always comes from beneath and that nobody ever gets jealous of a loser, yeah. you understand who they are and what their MO is, right? Mm-hmm. They're like crabs in a bucket. They just kind of want to pull you down to their low level, right? Yeah. You'll never get hate from a guy like um, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> you know, like, high level guys don't have time or aren't interested in trying to bring somebody else down to their crap level because they're too busy doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, that's right. You don't see Elon Musk going around trolling people on, uh, on TikTok. Well, he trolls people in a funny way, you know, with like the tax policies of uh, Congress, you know, the thing that he did with Bernie Sanders, I think it was, which was kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that tweet. He's like, Oh, I forgot that you're still around or still alive or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> But he, he, but he doesn't, but he doesn't go kind of out level, of his yeah. way to like, you know, like show up at like Congress hearings or whatever and like sit there in the chairs and like heckle them sort of thing like that. Yeah. Like that's what these nerds do. It's like, dude, you have nothing better to do with your time. Yeah. I, I noticed um, is there's you have a you have a TikTok channel or is that someone else parading as you? No, no, I've I've got one, but it, there's always people that steal my short content and they put it on their uh, channel or they'll comment on it, whatever. It doesn't really yeah. matter to me, but um, the main TikTok channel is under the same name as a channel. And it's really just shorts that I just repurpose. So they go to Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, like I just, you know, drop them everywhere. Got it. Um, do you, do you do that yourself or do you outsource that? I'm just curious. All the work's done by my editor. He just sends me over a file and I just upload it. So it takes me like 30 seconds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, specifically, uh, so I get a lot of, uh, a lot, I get a lot of the black pill and MGTOW guys on TikTok. But I think what's worse than than those guys because they're just trolling the comments. It's it's no big deal. Well, you don't read comments. That's like one of the things that you got to get good at when it comes to creating content is you don't pay attention to people in the comments. Uh, you don't you don't go in and interact Dude, with people. I I, I used <laughs> to do that. Like in the early yeah. days when the channel was smaller, like I would respond to everybody, and you yeah. know for the most part of that time, like 
you had true raving fans, right? Like smaller channels generally have that, right? But as you get bigger, yeah, you get a lot of these dorks and these trolls that come in there that think that they have opinions that matter. They know what they're talking about. And it's like, after you kind of click through yeah. and you see who they are, or you look at the social feeds or you see the channels that they subscribe to or the playlists or whatever it happens to be, yeah. you start to realize that there's a consistent pattern. These guys are all losers. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, a lion does not concern himself with the opinion of sheep. You know, you just sure. keep sheeping it out over there sort of thing. Got it. Yeah, well, that's why I, I don't read them. Oh, that makes sense. And, it, yeah, and so my, 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 my content, my channels aren't as big as yours either. So I'm still trying to build. So I'm still doing the whole building a community type thing Yeah, yeah, yeah. for marketing purposes. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully I'll get to the point where I'm just like, mm. but uh, no, the, the problem with TikTok I found isn't necessarily these, these MGTOW black pill guys. It's the f- raging feminists. And yeah, they're they, pretty bad too. They will and the white um, knights are pretty bad too. The white knights are probably just as bad. Yeah. I'll get someone that will find one of my videos and they will stitch it and they'll have like a massive following because TikTok doesn't kick off any of the left-wing people. Mm-hmm. And they will just flood my my stuff with an army of people reporting me and stuff like that. My original account got banned on TikTok. I had like yeah. 30,000 followers and I got banned. I had to rebuild. And have I mean have have you had to deal with any of that at all or your editor, I guess? Yeah, it's happened a few times. Um, you know, where you get like I call them the outrage mob. Like, I yeah. mean, you'll go and say something. Like I had this one, um, I had this one TikTok clip that this um that this homosexual guy that had a million followers on his TikTok like stitched or did I don't know what they call it, but they basically, you know, react to it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was a conversation that I was having with uh, Aubrey Huff, who's a retired um, NBA baseball player. He's a two-time World Series uh, baseball player. I think he was with the San Francisco Giants. So he's a friend of mine now, and we chop it up from the time to time. You know, we text. And I had him on for a conversation about something I think to do with divorce. And, like, you got to understand, like, this is an alpha male Chad you know, he's, he's loaded. Like, he's got, like, you know, eight figures worth of money probably. Like, he does well. He's got a couple of world world series rings. So when it comes, you know, to talking about a conversation about women, I think he used some um, sound bites like, um, you know, you get married to a woman and she turns into a fat pig and you're stuck with her for the rest of your life or something like that. And we're kind of chopping it up back and forth and ideas on like the kind of women to stay away from. Yeah. And I'll say something like, yeah, you know, you want to stay away from single moms because you're going to end up in a situation where you have parenting responsibility, but no authority. And it's like, you know, you kind of like have this dialogue back and forth and guys find that useful. Well, then some, you know, gay dude with a million following is mostly like Karens that follow the guy. I mean, if you look at the comments yeah. and you're like, wow, that's that's pretty funny, you know, because then they send the outrage mob over and then they try to complain and report you sort of thing. And you might lose access to the algorithms or the homepage feed like that for a little bit, short period of time, long period of time. Any number of things can happen. Like I had a Facebook page uh, taken down once, um, you know, similar sort of thing. You know, you say something the outrage mob doesn't like. So what they do is they take the link and they share it in a group. It's yeah. hilarious how they behave, right? So yeah. I figured them out. So what they do is they'll take that short content. Like it could be a minute long piece of content and they'll go and put it in like a private Facebook group yeah. or a bunch of other like Karens and white knights. And they all kind of commiserate and they're like, the patriarchy is oppressing us and people should just love us for, for the size that we are. It doesn't matter how fat we are. Everybody needs to love us our purple hair and our 72 cats. Yeah, And it's like, and then they take a clip of me talking to a, World Series baseball player, two-time champ, talking about how women are pigs. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of comment on a few things around that. Oh, my God. And they lose their mind and they yeah. send everybody over. And it's like, you know, your page is about to get taken down and you get reported sort of thing. It's like, it's going to happen, right? Because yeah. that's the world that we live in today. Everybody's everybody's made out of butter. They're soft. They have no backbone anymore. They're all snowflakes. Yeah. It comes from all corners of the interweb. The white knights, the feminists, the black pill guys. They're all a bunch of losers that have nothing better to do with their time. And they think that, you know, canceling somebody down is like the best way to sort of resolve it. You know, it's strange because if I come across a piece of content that I like, let's say that I'm browsing on YouTube and YouTube recommends something that I'm not interested in, like like cat videos, Mm -hmm. right? I just click away. I'm not interested in watching that and I'm not going to comment on it. I'm not going to take it and share it in a group and tell other guys to come in and comment on it. Because I'm a guy with purpose and I have a grind to, you know, work on in life. I have, I have stuff to do. Yeah. It's people that have nothing to do with in their lives that like to take this material, create outright outrage with it. And they'll just, you know, plop it out. There's another one that I did um, on, on Twitter. It was a couple of years ago where I provide a list and it's something like, Hey ladies, you know, this is how you keep a guy. 
<laughs> be obedient, be tidy, have culinary skills. Nobody likes in the bedroom. Don't be a single mom. Don't have debt. Like, you know, stuff like that. Sure. People lost their ever loving minds somewhere. Some, you know, toxic feminist got a hold of it yeah. and then it got redistributed. And within about a week, I got probably a million or 2 million hits on it. Yeah. And, um, mostly from like, you know, the outrage rage mob and haters and stuff like that. It ended up on like morning shows, you know, the morning shows, like, you know, the view. Yeah. <laughs> not, not, yeah. not, not on the view, but on like a bunch of like morning shows, you know, throughout the world in Australia, New Zealand, there was one or two in Eastern Europe, a couple in Ireland and Scotland and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, they just, you know, they just love that stuff because it, because for them, it, it solidifies the whole patriarchal enemy that they're looking for. Right. And it's just like hilarious that, that there's that many miserable people out there that they would spend that much time, you know, commenting on and reacting to something that has no relevance to them. Yeah. I found on on other platforms like, you know, YouTube or, or Twitter, it's like that kind of stuff is great, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll they'll retweet it and then complain or whatever. And you're like, great. You know, this is great publicity on TikTok. I've had to have like a strong block game. Because because yeah. uh, they will they will straight up take you down and, and TikTok will just remove anybody that doesn't That's, conform. Yeah, I just don't have time for that. Like I literally yeah. look at none of the comments, none of the DMs, nothing on TikTok whatsoever. I just like the only comments that I'll ever look at is on um, YouTube. Now you can sort your comments by channel membership status. Okay. So when I do live streams or whatever, like the, like channel members can can chime in and comment, ask questions, whatever. And like once a week, I'll go in and I'll just see if anybody has a question about a video. And mm-hmm. I'll just look at channel member questions, right? Yeah. And that's it. Like everything else is just invisible to me. Got it. Yeah, that's smart. I'm 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 gonna set that as a goal uh, <laughs> to, to get to get my channel so big that I could just filter by by members like that. Um, I think oh no, I have one last question and then uh then we'll wrap up here and I'll give you your day back. Uh in one of your talks. You talked about, I think this was that one that I talked about before. Uh, like, I think it was like your first 21 convention speak. You said that before you read Rational Mail and got red-pilled, that uh, you were still alpha, blue-pilled, but alpha. Mm. What is a blue-pill alpha, in your opinion? It's kind of like a natural, right? I mean, okay. just like the entire meaning of the of the blue pill, like the different color pills like everybody's got these different color pills now it gets exhausting to try to keep up with everybody's sure. version of what they want to you know pedal to their audience sort of thing but all that the blue pill is is that you're plugged into comforting lies okay. right so i've got this video that i did in the last month or so and it's one of the things that i'm going to build on in the second book but there's really four quadrants as far as i can see it on one side there's the unplugged okay. and on the other side there's the plugged in and then on the top, there's the alpha. And then on the bottom, there's the beta, basically. Sorry. On the left side, there's alpha. On the yeah. right side, there's a beta. On the top, it's unplugged. On the bottom, it's it's plugged in, right? So okay. yeah, yeah. you can have a uh, plugged in alpha, yeah. you know, kind of like a natural. He doesn't really have a hard time um, attracting women. He does, you know, alpha sort of stuff. He puts himself first, you know, looks good, you know, lifts weights, rides motorcycles, knows how to make bank. Like, just like, you know, like one of these more competent guys, but then what usually ends up happening to these guys is they get involved in a long-term relationship or they get married and you see these guys all the time. I mean, you probably know somebody right now. I'm sure somebody watching knows this right now, but it's the dude with the barbed wire tattoo, (laughs) right? Yeah. And now he's married. He's got four kids and his wife's like 300 pounds. And she's like, she's got like permanent bitch resting face on. Yeah. And he's like, you know, a former version of himself and he's like 300 pounds and he's put on all kinds of weight. So, you know, he went from the alpha because he was plugged into lies, you know, to somebody that you wouldn't even recognize later on down the road. So really, you know, when I'm talking about like a blue pill alpha, it's really like a, um, you know, the, the real definition that I would use today would be a, uh, a plugged in alpha. Plugged in. Okay. Yeah. So like unplugged plugged versus, lies. yeah, got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, usually you see those guys that like they kill it in business they kill it in like all areas of their life, but women, they're just complete like simps kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Guys like that get destroyed in the divorce machine, right? Yeah. They were like the natural chads in their, you know, teens and in twenties. And because they didn't know about any of this unplugging or any like red pill game and frame sort of stuff at some point over the next 10, 15, 20 years, they just turn into this former version of themselves that nobody really recognizes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really sad too. 
All right, everybody. The book is The Unplugged Alpha. I'll link it to it in the description. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rich. Where can people find you online? Um, best place to go would be uh, YouTube for my channel. So <clears throat> it's called Entrepreneurs in Cars. Um, I have a clips channel called Rich Cooper Clips. You can get my book on Amazon and print Indle, Kindle and Audible. And if you're interested in other stuff like coaching or my supplement line, you can go to my two websites, entrepreneursandcars.com or theunpluggedalpha.com. All right, great. And I'll put links to these in the description. All right, Rich, I'll give you your day back. Thank you so much for joining me today. Anytime, brother. Rich, thank you for taking the time with me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know how valuable your time is. So for you to give me an hour of your day was really special for me. Uh, so I really appreciate it. I learned a lot from you. I learned a lot from your book. I've listened to it two times now at the time of this recording. And I'm, you know, I've added it to my permanent reread list of books. So I'm going to continue reading this book and I look forward to your, to your next book when it comes out. Uh, you know, a funny thing for you guys that are watching at home, <laughs> I had three pages of notes here, three pages of notes. And usually I might have a page and a half when I'm interviewing people and people, uh, other guests that I've had on like talk a lot more. Rich is one of those guys that's just like quick and to the point, doesn't really spend time telling a lot of stories. And <laughs> we managed to get through all three pages uh, just to fill up that hour. So I hope you guys got a lot out of it. I certainly did. Uh, you know, Rich is welcome back anytime, obviously. And I highly recommend his book, The Unplugged Alpha. It's it's a game changer for sure. And it's a short read too. I think it's only like, if you listen on Audible, I think it's only like five hours long. It's real, real easily consumable book and you will get so much out of it. And um, that's all I got for this week. We will catch you guys next time. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.